0: You are listening to The Jazz Violin Podcast, episode 44. Today I'm chatting with Dominic Ingham. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I'm going to start off by talking about Patreon. Absolute classic, I know, but here we go. I, if you would like to support the podcast, you could do so via Patreon. Do you want to know what Patreon is? Yeah, I'd like to know. Well, I'm going to tell you. Patreon is a way that you, the listener, because that's who you are, can support me, the content creator, because that's who I am. Do you know? Content creator is such a weird word, you know? Content creator. Well, the first time someone called me that, I felt a little bit weird. But I guess I am, because you are listening to content right now. This is content. It's jazz violin content. There's not that much jazz violin content in the world, and this is some of it. That's right. Anyway, I'm already rambling. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so via Patreon. The way that you can support me, the content creator. You can support me with as little as $1 a month, $1, pound, euro. Or, you know, you can go up to anything. You can give me as much as you want. But, you know, I'd I'd tell you to just chill. $1 a month, $1 to $5, pounds, euros a month is absolutely fine. It's great. I've got maybe about 30 people who support the podcast now. Shout out to all you guys. I love you all. You uh, inspire me to keep going thank you so much but yeah if you want to join the little crew you can do you get a little extra episode every month of me talking about learning music and different things uh this month i think it's me listening to some stuff smiths uh and uh list uh, stopping and, and talking about what i hear and all that stuff you know if you want to hear nonsense like that then you get that uh, as part of patreon you're also on patreon the other thing you can do is you can uh You can get involved with my Jazz Violin Practice Club, which is a way that you can uh, basically get guided practice sessions with me. So, you know, it'll be something uh, that I'm working on in my improvising and I find ways, you know, I'm, I like doing this, I find different ways of turning them into repetitive exercises. So I look at what I'm working on, I turn it into a repetitive exercise, and we practice it together on Zoom. It's real simple, it's fun, it's not too intense, or sometimes it is, you know, but in a good way. And we have a good laugh, I think. We go, you know, we're all sort of friends. Um, or I think so, they like, they laugh at my jokes anyway, most people do, just about, or at least they, they pretend to. Um, anyway, enough about that now we're talking about my guest Dominic Ingham now Dominic is another UK based jazz violinist he's also from the north right? another northern English jazz violinist I know I'm a bit of a confusing I have confusing origins because I'm sort of from Scotland and I'm sort of from the north of England but Dominic is uh, from the north of England you can tell with his voice um, uh, just real close to where I was born actually from Wakefield, I'm from Hull, it's not too far away. Anyway, amazing musician, Uh, young guy, killing it, absolutely killing it, amazing, amazing playing, very unique and amazing sound. Uh, I said amazing too many times, but I'm gonna just keep it in anyway. Uh, Great sound, (laughs) wonderful technique, I'm trying to find all the uh, superlatives that I can think of at the moment. And, yeah, just a great musician, great tunes as well. He's come out with an album last year, I think, Role Models, which you're probably listening to a little bit of right now. Um, Ah, I've said enough. Give it up for Dominic Ingham. So, yeah, nice. Thanks for chatting with me today. Um, It's nice to chat with a fellow northern jazz violinist based in London.
1: Yeah, you're originally from Scotland, is that right?
0: Well a a mixture i was born in hull actually all right uh but then i i moved to scotland when i was 10 because my mum's scottish so i've got scottish mum, english northern english dad so i'm in the middle um but i'm very northern anyway northern mm. british but uh yeah thanks for chatting to me i um i often start these interviews just chatting about how you how you um First, got into playing music, and um, which I actually sort of half know because I know your dad. I think is am I right in thinking that your dad's Richard Ingram? Ingram, in, yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah,
0: because I did it. I did um, a course. I did uh, at St Andrews when I was young. I was like quite quite young. Yeah,
1: yeah I I also did that course. Did you? Um, for yeah, I think in my last year of school I did it. Um, right. Yeah. I think even, even, you know, Malcolm Edmonstone. Yes. He, so he's the head of general talk. He, he also did it. So it's been going, it's been going for not, not he's old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. Cause he was the, the head of the course that I was on. And he, yeah. he also was taught in some form by dad. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I grew up in a musical family. Both parents play saxophone. So I wonder whether that has anything to do with me wanting to play like a saxophone. <laughs> 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 well, that's, that's put in simple terms, but um, yeah. that's the direction that i going in. It's mainly sax and trumpet players that I listen to. I guess what I've grown up listening to is then what has hugely influenced me. And I think it, it, it shouldn't matter why I play um yeah
0: there's i mean you know I've, I've spoken to a lot of violinists now just you you might be you're in the early 40s of, of you know this, this episode's gonna be 40 i can't remember 44 43 um so I've spoken to lots of violinists and it is a common theme because especially with violinists who um want to play out with um sort of the more traditional realm of jazz you know if you don't want to play if you don't want to play like sort of recreate the sound of Grappelli or the sound of stuff smith or whatever you know you end up having to look to other instruments right because you're like because you look to you look to you're like right let's look at jazz i love jazz let's have a look let me hear some violins like okay Mm. can't find anything from any of the classic eras of jazz you know the things that we think of as, as uh as the golden eras of jazz that we want to you know that we see our colleagues look l- listening into and and zooming into for for inspiration we look and we're like i don't know there's not that much there's some if you really really you know dig 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 but yeah. it's not you know it's all the classic recordings it's got sax and trumpet so and it makes sense yeah. that we're just like you know what Fuck the violin! <laughs> you just go. You just uh, <laughs> you have to sort. You know, you have to just go for the go for yeah, sax, sax and trumpet. What what's uh what sort of um who are your sort of the players that have like
1: stayed with you that you really have liked to uh, dig deep into? Uh, Sonny Rollins. Nice. Um, Charlie Parker. I, I, I still feel like it, I I haven't gone far enough into what. Charlie Parker's done, so I'm. I'm really, um, yeah, that's something that I really want to do more of soon. Um, just sort of seeing parallels as well. There's this, guy, there's this guy, young guy called Emmanuel Wilkins in New York, and he's sort of. I don't know. I, I uh, he kind of reminds me of what Charlie Parker did, not just because he plays the alto, just the, the energy and. I don't know. But for me, it's always been the, the modern players that have inspired me to go back as opposed to um yeah, I I used to find it quite hard to listen to the older recordings. Yeah, that's um, that's the thing I feel, uh as we get
0: as recordings as we get so much more used to better recordings and and production being higher and higher in uh yeah, in quality, I do think that people find it more and more difficult to listen to the older recordings like Parker recordings right like drummers especially you know I've got loads of drummer friends who are just like I get you know they, they like they they know that what Charlie Parker does is great but it's like they can't hear any drums on half of those recordings you can just hear like pss, 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 pss. so it's really hard for them to get inspiration from from there yeah it's interesting but you're saying it's, so it's old it's more modern players who who, who who've Giving you the inspiration to look backwards into the into the older players.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. There's just always been this like uh, I've I've always had this buzz for like new music and new players and uh, or players that are around at the moment. Yes, um, almost in like a fan fanboy kind of <laughs> yeah uh, way. Uh, I, I've got to be careful sometimes not to not to just be a fan, uh, but to look at what they're actually doing as well but maybe yeah maybe some of the excitement from being a a fan and then uh yeah wanting to figure out what they do that's always been for like consistently from when i was younger that's always been for people that are doing things right now yeah i I don't i don't know why that is that's just like the way i am so um yeah but i'm grateful for those people that have uh in a way inspired me to look back and just listening to what they have to say and obviously they've (laughs) You know, they've come well. Seriously, come from the tradition, and that's not something that I always realised or wanted to accept. Yeah, in the past, in the past couple of years, I think I really well. I don't understand it, but I uh, understand it more than I did. Understand the tradition more than you did. Well, I just understand the idea of going back. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's quite a thing with amongst students as well. And, People at music college talking about, oh, yeah, well, why do we have to do this? Why are we being made to do this? And I think uh, some of the time it's that's the fault, not the fault of, but um, sometimes teachers say things in a certain way that can put you off. I know what um, you mean, yeah. And say, yeah, kind um, of that you, just like f- forcing you to do it without helping you understand why. Yeah, I actually think that I I know what you're saying
0: because I studied it in a, a jazz course in Leeds, um, and it's quite hard to know. Basically, I feel I do feel like young people, i.e., people of student age, um, or just young people in general, just have a tendency to, especially especially if you're a musician, you're sort of an artist, right? well, it's not sort of an artist, you're an artist. (laughs) You're you're a musician and your sensibility is probably going to be one that wants to kick back against something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you you know, it it happens more, even more when you're like a teenager. You know, if someone says to you, do this, you're going to be like, nah, I'm going to do this instead. You know, whatever you're saying is lame because you're old or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I do feel (laughs) like maybe... uh, student uh teachers at colleges and schools should be aware of that and think to themselves well they're gonna if i tell them too much like that they have to do this thing and i don't give them a good reason for it then mm. there's every, every chance that most of them if they've got any sort of rebellious spirit which is sort of what we want from a jazz musician in a way they're gonna kick yeah. back and they're gonna tell me to shut up or well in their head no. not
1: out loud hopefully but so i know what you're saying yeah maybe the, maybe the teachers even get a, a kick out of it as well A kick out of that uh uh students not wanting to do what they say and then they go away and like oh yeah no one wants to do what i say yeah and it's always been like that <laughs> yeah um, that's true yeah that is i mean it is a classic that yeah yeah the rebellious thing i, I hadn't i hadn't really thought that but that makes a lot of sense yeah
0: and I. Uh, the other thing, I mean,
1: I don't know,
0: you're talking about as we get older we think a little bit more, we want to go back a little bit more. I think to like uh like our parents and stuff, or my my mum, for example, like I come from she's she's half Polish, my mum. And as she's got older, she's been more and more interested in her roots, you know, she's been actually starting to learn Polish more. And it's a classic thing is like as people get older, they start to wanna to think about their origins more, and I wonder if that happens to us. Cause i i'm I'm sort of similar like the more i the close, the further i um yeah the older I got the more I started wanting to study older music and 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 mm. it like that so I wonder if that is a thing it's a weird human uh pattern that we have mm. yeah, maybe uncontrollable <laughs> yeah. Just have to go with it. <laughs> so, yeah. You had a let's let's go back to uh, your musical beginnings. You you had a you have you, co- you come from a musical family. Your dad is a is a like a jazz and and just general music educator, right? He's
1: sort of revered in the UK. A bit of a legend. Yeah, well, he's uh he, he's quite um uh, yeah, I guess prominent within the jazz education world. He 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 worked for uh a, a lot of the time in Scotland, actually doing st mary's music school yeah um and yeah the St andrea's thing university of aberdeen um so uh, but yeah but it's funny because when because I, I didn't really play jazz until i was on the violin until i was about 16. so i'd, I'd you know been surrounded by him well not not in like so he he moved away when I was like 11. So it's not like we saw each other every day. But still, um, I think it's that I hadn't gone into jazz before that. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't in a way because I was able to uh, focus just on the violin. Um, so I had a, a yeah a classical uh, upbringing, classical training uh, and did bits of folk music as well. Uh, but I'm glad that I was sort of emotionally driven to be a violinist. So yeah, I, maybe I could say, I wish I'd have started jazz earlier and um that, it's just good to do things younger, isn't it? But i I'm, in a way I'm I'm glad that I, I did the route I did. Um yeah, and then got to Cheatham's still wanting to be a classical violinist. And then just started hanging out with the jazz musicians. Um, not like there was many of them, but I shared a room with a guy called Joe Hill. Uh, he's, he was from Leeds as well. Um, yeah, so that was that was quite... Because I'm from Wakefield, so that was quite funny. We were just putting a room together. So we just used to stay up and like, listen to... He brought a little record player with him, so we just listened to music into the early hours and then woke up feeling it very tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I, I was just exposed to that and uh people like Johnny Mansfield as well was in a year with him. Um my brother who was who was there as well. So yeah, I guess I was just taking my um what other people liked, and then I, I thought, oh, I think that's I think this is what I want to do. Um I had a teacher there called Ian Dixon who was uh, very, very influential, uh, showed me um, or encouraged, I guess, jazz and that way of life. It was kind—I of, felt it was kind of a two-two a part thing. It was like we're talking about music, but we're also talking about life in general um, and how they're connected. Um, I don't—I don't have any specific examples, but I remember that that was what I—I I liked the idea of that a lot. Um, And I guess when you're like 16, 17, you're kind of looking for, I don't know, you're you're curious about everything. Um, And the fact that this life thing was involved with jazz as opposed to it just being, just doing the music. Yeah. Maybe I'm not saying this very well, but... No, you are. But I I really enjoyed my time there. Also, there was this, uh, I don't know if you've heard of this violinist called Callum Smart. Yes. Does he... Do on does he do stuff on
0: He's got he's got a big Instagram following for teaching classical technique now.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 He was in my year at school, and he'd he'd started lesson, lessons with Ian before me, like a year before I showed up. Um, and he'd like gone through all the modes and just like done it in like a couple of months, just like yeah, very rapid sort of progress because of the musician that he was. And so we we just used to hang out and play, and he'd be on piano, I'd be playing, and then we'd using a backing track and stuff as well. But I think that that was really important because he also played the violin, and I haven't I haven't even I haven't even had this question with him because <laughs> I haven't spoken to him for a few years. But I feel like that was really important to to just have that relationship with someone that that played the violin, was an amazing musician, and l- liked playing jazz and was open to that, and. Yeah yeah we could we could talk about it and yeah i feel like that was look, like, i feel like that was pretty integral that's interesting um, i didn't know that he played jazz at all well I, I don't i don't i don't think he does now but it was it was that he was capable of doing it and he was interested in that do you can you put a finger on
0: what it was that um First, made you feel interested in jazz. Is there anything spe- you know a specific moment or a specific time when you realised, hey, you know, I'd quite like to do this?
1: Yeah, well, uh, on on that same topic, there was a there was a, I can remember a play with Callum and another and a cellist called Rob Wheatley, where we were just in quite a nice big room playing, and I, I think I tried improvising for the first time like over a jazz standard. It must be pivotal because I can remember it. yeah Um, yeah one of those things Uh, but yeah and I I remember thinking that didn't sound as good as I wanted it to sound but I think it's got potential Uh, that went on for quite a few years like this doesn't sound as good as I want it to sound but I have an idea of what I want it to sound like yeah it's just uh, that being sort of navigating the violin as an instrument to, to get to a point where I I'm enjoying what I'm playing. do you how old were you
0: around then do you reckon
1: 16 17 yeah okay um but I played I played drums before that you oh. know in a band so um yeah that was just in terms of the violin I see yeah my, my brother had a, a quartet and I played I played drums in that so, so that like was, jazz drums yeah I mean I wasn't I don't think I was any good I was kind of self-taught I could I had the feel for it because I've been exposed to as and other musics, like just listening wise for, for my whole life. Yeah, so I, th- I think playing the drums was probably quite helpful when it. I eventually got to, so I had a good, I had good rhythm in general. I'm actually quite similar, but I did drums a little bit
0: late. Well, I probably yeah, probably early teens. I I played drums. I had some lessons, and I just used to play. to play in loads of different bands. Hmm. So you think? that's influenced your uh, playing now? Then the drumming. Uh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Initially it was just like, oh, I have I, this, this comes naturally Big rhythm is, is strong. Whereas there are a, a, a lot of, well, yeah, not to generalize, but a lot of stringers who, who don't put rhythm at the, at the front of their, um, top of their priorities, uh, which is fine because you don't, well, it's not as necessary. Um, I do think it's a shame that there's not the training there. Um, there's not like <laughs> I remember like uh one of the only rhythm training that we had in like music class was like trying to sing and clap at the same time. you know that you have these like you sing a line and then clap a line, yeah um but i I remember finding it funny because the idea was to just try and get it right, and there was no, there was no emphasis on like an internal pulse or like really feeling like yeah this yeah. um it was just like oh can you, can you like <laughs> yeah. navigate this and complete it and then say yeah i've done that now cool
0: well yeah i do think that whole thing of like a lot of things are taught in the traditional uh educational settings are taught in in like sort of tests as as, as little tests can you complete you said, can can you complete this little thing? It's like, yeah, you can sort of get through it. No worries. You win. Mm. You know, you you get yes or a no. You know, and I feel like that can sometimes be the case with uh, classical. If you don't, um, yeah, it can be the case with scales as a classical musician. Um, when you're working on your grades, right, the scales are seen as like sort of like technical exercises which is fair enough because they sort of are in a way they're not fully you know they they do make up the music that you play as a classical musician just as a, as it does with as a jazz musician but we have you know as jazz musicians we have to use them well you know like frameworks for for what we do you know every time we play we have to use them as a framework to some degree and it's a different way of thinking about it with classical music and when you're learning yeah when you're doing your grades it's like you know, did you manage to play it from here to here in tune? It's like, yeah, mm. smashed it. You've got it. It's, you know, <laughs> next. It, that's, not really that's not really how we. That's not really how we learn scales, is it? You know, as as jazz players. Yeah, absolutely. There, there doesn't
1: seem to be uh, any depth of, of, uh, of process. Hmm. Um. Yeah, that, that's. I like, I like. the idea of the, the test thing. Hmm. Um, yeah, and if you say to if you someone, oh, what about what about playing the scale from, from here to here instead? I like, don't. Oh, um I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think that should be taught and encouraged. Like, oh let's do it in thirds. Like yeah. or like, like broken thirds or yeah. fourths, or you, you have unlimited and that that'd help with your uh with the test aspect if you want to do well in the test anyway. That mm-hmm. would make it hundred percent better if you were to explore the scale in all areas yes yeah it'll probably take longer but it's 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 definitely definitely worth it
0: yeah if that if if that was put into if just a small thing like that was changed in the grade syllabuses maybe even in the top four grades you know from grade four onwards we had to do that Mm. different things and they might test you play in it in different ways that would just Mm. i think that would open out people's understanding of scale so much more like the thing that you said going from, starting it from here or going to there, does that way that saxophone players, I've started teaching this to people, the way that saxophone players um, play scales often is like, you know, find the root of the scale in the middle of the range. I might be talking rubbish, by the way, if any saxophone players are listening, but I'm going to say it anyway start from the middle of your range and go to the top of your range and you know but f- 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 start from the root in the middle of your range just around about the middle go at the mm-hmm. top or you know the top of your comfortable range and go down then go past that middle point go right down to the bottom and go from that bottom point right to the middle again so you've got that sort of that ground do you know what i'm saying
1: yeah 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 Just so say you're in
0: uh, say so you're doing F and you could say hey I'm in first position you'd start from F on the D string for any, you know just there we mm-hmm. go start on the F from the D string and go up to like you know maybe go up to just like the top of first position or the top of third position let's say the top of first position so you go from the F in the middle on the D string to the B flat on the E string then you go all the way down to the bottom of the G st- you know you play open G and you go all the way up to f again in that middle on that d string mm. that you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah that's cool um is there a, is there a reason for starting on the f so
0: this is a yeah it's a thing to also think about shouldn't always start from the uh from the root but in this instance it's the idea is to to practice the whole range of the scale to realize that the scale is not just f to f it's everywhere you know it's everywhere on your instrument it's, it's like a framework but the starting on the f and ending on the f actually just gives it a little bit of melodic and it sort of gives it a little bit of melodic and harmonic uh, sense of place in a way you feel like you've ended it when you get to that f if you just go g you know if you go f major g open g to b flat on on the on the e string. You never really get a sense of the fact that you are actually in in f because you are in it you know in a lot of ways you are in f and I do think that that's maybe yeah so i think that's the idea it gives you that that sound that sort of uh grounding as well uh, as well as opening out but
1: yeah i don't know what what are your yeah, yeah. thoughts on that yeah that's that's the that sounds to me like it could be a Oh, well, it sounds like an exercise in my head. <laughs> like the fact that you're starting on the F and then yes. ending on the F That's quite nice. Yeah, and you could just go up, go up a semitone or whatever. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but then I guess if you're uh, uh, if you start on the G, then you're playing Dorian, and that's nice. Um, so you could be thinking of think like once, think of G Dorian. Play it a second time, think of F major.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, an advantage of that we have as playing violin is that we say we can say stuff whilst we're playing. So you can you can shout out the degree of the scale. Um, uh-huh. I find that this this helps. Well, if, if someone's like completely not aware of of that and they're in at an early stage, it could be it could be helpful mm-hmm. to be like one, two, <laughs> yeah, three. Like whilst playing the note.
0: That's interesting. Um, I've actually never never done that or or really thought of it. But is that something that you done or do or?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's something that I've done and and do. Um, I think I probably started doing it when I was learning the modes. The first thing I did was learn the modes because that's what I was taught. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So like. A, this is Pan um, that Ian taught, which is you do the arpeggio and then you scale just one octave. Um, start on Ionian,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then do Dorian, but on the same note. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you go and then you go through you go through all the, all the modes um but that that's sort of helpful in terms of hearing a different sound world for for each mode instead of being like oh I'm going to play C ionian and then I'm going to play D dorian then I'm going to play E phrygian yes that's all in the same sound world yes um yeah that's probably it's probably even more helpful if you do that on the piano and you can like voice it out as well um but it's it's hard because you, uh when I first learned he was like all right you got to figure got to figure this all out <laughs> so I was like Okay, so C, Ionian. Oh, and then I have to play B flat major, but starting on C. Cool. Oh, and then I have to play A flat major, but starting yeah. on C. And that was that was quite hard for me to get my head around. Yeah. And then you go into the melodic minor modes, and then the harmonic minor modes, and then the harmonic yeah. major modes. So that was like a very, that was like, I did that right at the start. Um, that, was, that was like a, a general grounding that I think was really helpful. Um, I d- yeah, definitely. In terms of saying the the intervals, so saying the the scale, I probably did that in that exercise. Yeah, like playing playing C Dorian and saying uh, saying the <laughs> uh, saying the degree within B flat. Playing C Dorian and playing
0: and saying the degree within B flat. So you're playing C and you're thinking about it in Dorian, but you're also thinking of it in B flat. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're starting so you're, from yeah. C to C. Ah, yeah, okay. You're going from C to C, but you're saying yeah. it from the degree of B. From the so you'd be saying like two, yeah, on
1: that C. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. And then you can do it with C as well. So say one. Yes. Um,
0: sounds like you quite like these, or maybe I, may, I might be wrong. You quite like these uh, mental brain, these mental tongue twisters. To some degree
1: is that right yeah 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 Uh, they're they're fun um it's also something that i could do there was a uh, that i wasn't playing because of a kind of injury thing Uh so like doing spinning your head (laughs) yes was kind of all i had well that and singing yeah uh, to singing at that point as well so that that was fun yeah I think what's
0: interesting is there's there's like some people are, I'm quite into these things as well, these things that rattle your brain. I'm not actually very good at them, but I, I'm into it, you know. I'm, I like finding these exercises, these brain exercises that, you know, correlate with music. Some people really don't like it. Um, you know, I uh, teach, I've taught quite, quite a range of different people over my career. And uh and there's so many different you know there's t- there are different types of people some people are really into it and i get really excited when someone gives me a new cuz i'm i'm probably going to do whatever you d- i'm going to have a little go at doing what you just said then probably after this you know before will be doing that um but i uh there's some people really hate it they just like they get really they get really pissed off with stuff like that and they'd rather just be playing and um and that doesn't always do- that definitely doesn't correlate with whether they can play or can't play or whether they are musical or aren't musical. But I think it's interesting yeah. that don't know the different types of uh the different types of musician and the different types of learning as well. You know, some people will get a kick out of that, that style of learning, you know, like, right, this is gonna help you and it and it's a it's a practical thing. It's really difficult, but you're gonna, you know, and you're gonna really feel you, you get a lot of immense satisfaction out of you know, mm. getting getting past that,
1: that these hurdles. Yeah. In a way, it's like e- easy practice. <laughs> yes. I know what you're saying. It's more yeah. methodical. But like doing like rhythm's the same way. Like you have a goal, you do it slow, you build yeah. up speed and then you can do it. It's like, great. Let's get
0: coffee. <laughs> I agree with you. Rhythm has a, always, it has a real start. And an end to it. When you're practicing it, you're like, "I'm going to do this thing." Yeah, exactly. I'm going to try and do this thing. Hey, I've got it done. It's a bit, you know, that's what we lack. The uh, in classical music, classical music doesn't really lack that. You know, when you're learning, when you're learning a piece, you you learn the piece, <laughs> and in you know, especially if it's a technical piece, you know, you a lot of the hurdle is is getting through it, you know, and get getting the, getting it learned and being able to technically play it. And the, mm. and you know different exercises, but what I think that's right. Is that like as jazz musicians, we sometimes lack that, and it can be nice to mm. find these these sort of these exercises that have a beginning and an end. That's something that I'm yeah I'm, mm. I agree with you very much on. How did you look at rhythm, rhythmic stuff? How is that? How you how have you worked on that in the past?
1: There was uh, an exercise that I did. I used to do in my room with with Joe. <laughs> so he learned this rhythm off Steve Barry. It's basically you've got this rhythm in the clip. Yeah. And the foot is keeping like each beat. But then uh so you're in like twelve eight, the foot's yeah. every three. Um yeah. yeah. And but then you change the foot to to a different pulse, but keep the click going. Um so you then go into like a three three foot thing. Um, like da One, two, two, sorry. One, two, three. And then the other one is, uh, I see. So you're
0: basically, um, you're doing a repeated rhythm. You're clapping a repeated twelve-eight rhythm and you're starting with mm. your foot on three. So that one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. Then you're changing then, your foot to being like fours. And then what?
1: Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, t- yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: Nice. Yeah. Sorry. That that makes sense. Go from threes to fours. But the idea of like feeling something in uh, in compound time and then simple time. Um, yes. But keeping the same rhythm, going over the top. Um, would, you, would you mind
0: sending me that in a in like a audio, just a simple audio file from like your phone or something that I can just inter- just inject into this uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Rather than the yeah. Um just because yeah. I'd quite like to put it in, but it's yeah there's yeah yeah what it is that's, that's cool. going on with the audio there
1: um but i i feel I feel like the the compound time was pretty it's pretty uh good to get down yes, um I know well I can't really say the word compound, but it's the best way of, uh describing it. um they just feeling things w- where the each beat there's three three quavers in each beat yes um and i think uh maybe when you're starting to learn to, to play jazz music uh that's not something that is taught uh, mm. as frequently as like yeah you swing and that's just kind of a well sort of triplet but yeah um i think yeah to actually get down the a compound thing is really beneficial i think maybe i was lucky to do that in playing folk tunes as well before yeah so maybe that's why i was like maybe that's why i was better at it uh but i definitely think that that yeah so the initial question was like what did was uh how did i start doing rhythm or like practicing rhythm was that, was that the question yeah I mean that's yeah. you
0: you've given me a great answer that one of the things for one one something that you've worked on is nice. But I guess the if you were to shorten that answer it would be you know just using different exercises sort of clapping and clapping exercises vocalization exercises and sort of mm. yeah, yeah sort of uh non playing exercises basically. I think yeah. With clapping.
1: yeah, I think it's totally yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you can also tap and speak whilst you're playing as well. Yeah. Have you done um, much
0: in terms? Have you ever looked at like a South Indian music or different? Because they've they've got great ways of vocalizing rhythm that I've that I've got a lot out of over the
1: years. Cool. I, I haven't really. Uh, the only exposure to that has been in some classes at Guildhall. Yes. Um, with Barak Shmuel. Oh, nice. Okay, um, yeah. But other than that, I haven't time. Uh, I think. I, think yeah, so like, I did that. I did. I did that a little bit, like in my own time. Yes. N- not to a large extent. Yeah. You'd probably dig it if you, you know, if you went
0: for it, because it sounds like it's the sort of thing that you'd you'd enjoy from
1: from listening to you talk just now. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think I I would sometimes I probably I'm probably quite lazy with it, like knowing that I do enjoy it, and at some yeah. point I'll get round to doing more of it. And then- yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah I'm
0: the same. I did actually a, a great summer school during the lockdown with BC Manjanas, who's a really amazing uh, Murdangan player, but also conical conical mm-hmm. master. And that was that was actually really, it was amazing. You know, actually for the first time because I'd done I'd learnt little bits of it just um, just knowing that like oh hey you can like turn fours into certain things and fives into certain things just say you know just basically the vocalizations tagadimi or tadadigenato or whatever and work you know I just knew that and I I'd work, I'd, found, I'd worked on a little bit on like t highs and a bit on north indian music but actually going deep into or well, she's really just scratching the surface. Scratching the surface of uh, the South Indian thing was really interesting because they do have such a crazy, crazy way of looking at rhythm that we just, we just don't. Yeah, they they it's, especially the South Indian music. It's just like everything you could possibly do with a rhythm,
1: they will they will do it. <laughs> mm. Mad. Yeah, that's I'll definitely yeah i, I, I want to look more into it now yeah Thanks. um you're uh but you also do a lot of writing right uh yeah i'm quite slow
2: but
1: <laughs> yeah i try and um well i wouldn't say i do a lot of writing but i, I try and keep uh, yeah do it I, I try and keep doing it <laughs> yeah try to keep doing it consistently um yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I, I enjoy writing for smaller bands. Um, so yeah, I guess mainly sort of lead sheet stuff that you can just it just comes off comes off the chart. Yeah, I look up a lot to Ambrose Akin for for in terms of writing. Who, sorry? Uh, uh, Ambrose Akin Missouri. Okay. Um, don't know who that is. Trumpet player. Maybe I'm not saying his last name correctly. I think it's Akin Missouri. What Akin Musaya. Uh, Maybe that uh, sounds familiar. Tell me about him. He is—he's a trumpet player, uh, a writer, and pioneering uh, pioneering jazz. His his bands are are really uh, inspiring. Listening to he's got like a quartet that they have playing for a while, and just how they sound as as one is something that I really. Uh, look up to and want to try and uh, do myself mm. um, so just getting that band sound through through the music that you're writing everyone is enjoying what they're playing and gets on and I don't know why I'm drawn towards that but I am <laughs> yeah so that, I guess that's something that uh, I try and do on my album that came out last year which is great um, by the way I really really like it thanks amazing um, yeah that's uh so that's quintet with vibraphone um which is cool uh, and oh yeah so on uh, next tuesday 5th of october we're doing it it's well it was originally going to be the album launch last year but it's now just a gig <laughs> yes <laughs> just a regular old gig uh, but yeah we're playing that music Um, But it's going to be with guitar instead. Miles Mindlin is going to be playing. Um, Yeah. And Felix Ambach-Arms, he's coming over from Paris, which is really exciting. And then Will Sash. Yes. Uh, I I want him to to be a way of creating a band sound. Yes. Uh, It's not necessarily about the tune. Um, I know what you're saying. Yeah.
0: I feel similar actually. I like that as well. I'm not that excited about overly, overly arranged music myself. I mean, it has to be arranged because it's got to it's got to be something that's exciting for the listener. But just for myself, I often just like to, like you say, you write maybe a theme, and you write perhaps yeah. I might I don't always write it as in physically write it, but you create something that could be a lead sheet and then Mm. let the band create a sound around that is that sort of what you're saying yeah i like that a lot yeah yeah it makes sense for jazz right that's that's what yeah
1: yeah yeah uh absolutely (laughs) yeah um something i thought about in the past was was like oh hang on if i write if some things are simpler than the rhythm section are going to be freer and there's going to be this like grit like underneath then like oh maybe i'll write a nicer melody over the top so there's interest of like grit <laughs> mm. but yeah. then this kind of, kind of like uh, more diatonic folkier thing going over the top have you heard of this guitarist called Lage lund yeah yeah um he did an album called terrible animals which i feel uh like epitomizes what i just said it's like getting, getting like freer musicians on simpler tunes. Uh, Logan Richardson did an album like that called Shift. It's just like beautiful melodies, but then the musicians are really taking it out somewhere else.
0: Mm. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to check all of these albums out because I don't think I know them. I really like that idea. I like I like that sound. Do you enjoy uh, running a band or run, you know running a project like that?
1: Yeah, I feel like touring, especially, is Really fun. But I think that's something that I want to spend a lot of my time doing. Just going around, around with band, playing, yeah. playing music, you're sounding differently. Like hanging out, walk, swimming. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess just like just building stronger relationships and that maybe coming out in the music.
0: Yeah, we probably have to finish up, don't we? You've uh, you've got to get off. Be interesting to know what you're working on at the moment and
1: what's uh, what's coming up for you. I plan on doing more of a, a quartet with piano, bass, drums and um finding that sound uh quite like this idea of the violin just like floating on top of of what they're doing yeah melodies in unison with the piano as well because before it's like vibes and violin playing the melody which is great and there's a real contrast to that sound vibes has this attack violin well i don't have much attack <laughs> um <laughs> yeah um which is uh Probably present in my personality as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I'm really interested in having this piano and violin sound. And yeah, also some, this, uh, something that Ambrose, trumpet player mentioned before, something he said is that he's imagined his, his quartet being like a piano trio, but with like a, a trumpet effect over the top. <laughs> and I really, really like that. Not that I'm not that I'm going to copy that, but I really like that idea. And I so- know what you're saying. In fact, like it's it is
0: a lot of the music that I've written has all has been sort of inspired by smaller bands and trio things, you know. So I, I understand that feeling of like you know you sort of wish that you were a a piano trio, but you you know you you're never you're not going to be, so you're going to have to get instruments into just mm. to Yeah, yeah, yeah. still when you maybe when I write sometimes I'm hearing like just a piano trio, you know, playing the, mm. playing the music. So I think yeah. I, I guess I understand that sentiment quite
1: well. Mm. Cool. Um, yeah. I guess also in terms of like the the interaction and the uh everything. Yes. Uh, the same thing the piano scene. trio. Yeah, it's kind of more intimate in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And also the fact that they're going to be able to play well together as a trio as well so finding the right people do that yes Um, yeah yeah yeah
0: it's an interesting one i think as a i don't know i just think that we're, we're 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 as jazz violinists we have to we end up searching just a little bit more than someone who plays a more standard instrument because we don't always fit we don't always feel like we fit in to the general mold anyway maybe that's Again, talking about our personalities, maybe that's the sort of person that we are, I don't know. But yeah. musically, you end up, because of this feeling of being a slight outsider, I'm not saying that we are fully, but you do have a feeling of being a bit of an outsider. You're more able to, or more likely to try and find these different avenues and think about things in these sort of slightly, just slightly differently, you know, not taking the road, trying to take the road less traveled, et cetera. Etc.
1: <laughs> Sorry. You're referring to the book? Huh, no, but what book? What book? Well, it's kind of funny because I have this book here ah. called The Road of the Travel.
0: <laughs> okay, excellent. What is that book? Uh, should I know? I probably should.
1: It's, it's by a psychotherapist called Scott Peck, and it was written in the 70s, I think. Some some bits are, are, are dated in the language that he uses, but. Um, Classic. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> It's just about his. He's he's just a renowned psychotherapist, and it's very interesting. Ah. Uh, I got from it in terms of like my uh, the effect of my parents and on me. <laughs> right, Okay. Um, that's pretty key in kind of helping to understand that. But I haven't had therapy or anything, so I probably don't understand it as much as a lot of other yeah. people. But um, I, I'm trying to. Yeah, so I've had it for a while.
0: That's a great thing to busy your life with, is trying to work things up, that sort of thing out, isn't
1: it? Yeah, uh, in in terms of playing as well. Uh, it's all like coming into one thing. Yes. Yeah, looking at that stuff, looking at music. Yeah, it all helps, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. Hey, it's been really nice to chat to you. Um, if you've got anything to plug, mm-hmm. now's the time. Because we, yeah. You've got a gig coming up, right? This might be. When is it? When is it on the fifth?
1: Fifth of October. Okay. Um, but I've got one on on the twenty first at the Spice of Life. Hmm. Um, that's with Quartet. So that's Noah Sternman, Will Sash, and Dave Hamlet. Hmm. Um. So yeah, looking forward to that one. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that's on the twenty first of
0: October. Of. October. yeah 21st of october at the spice of life and also before that you've got the 5th of yeah. october at where Peace express nice cool yeah. okay you're doing the so you're doing a tour of soho this month i like it you're doing the yeah t- soho, <laughs> soho jazz um tour yeah exactly oh i should have i should have named it that you should have done yeah <laughs> oh. Done it like a massive poster spent spent like 50 quid on a poster design for like two days yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah uh, maybe maybe next time yeah it's been been great talking to you thanks so much for having me on no worries thanks for
0: chatting thanks so much for listening today guys you have been listening to me matt holborn and my guest Dominic Ingham. As I've said, if you'd like to support the podcast or get involved in my jazz violin practice club, you can do so via Patreon, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Matt Holborn. I feel like that is a little bit of a dated thing to do. But there we go. Life goes on. I'm going on holiday, which I'm excited about. Uh, And then I'm coming back. And I've got some real exciting stuff happening uh, in... What have i got going yeah in october i've got a great gig going on at um toulouse lautrec on the 18th of october i'm playing with some absolute swing legends i'm playing with dave kelby who is an amazing amazing rhythm guitarist i'm playing with james brown who's a good friend of mine and an amazing stride piano player and a great bassist jeff threadgold that's on the 18th of october at uh, Toulouse-Lautrec in London. So if you're London-based and you like swing, come down, listen to us play. And actually more exciting, well, you know, they're all just as exciting, but what's really exciting me is in November, I'm playing at Ronnie Scott's with the London Django Collective. It's all original material by the collective. There's tunes by everybody in there. Everyone has their own fresh take on that Jasmine new sound and we all have different things that we do with that setup that acoustic guitar double bass and violin setup and yeah so we're really excited we're playing at ronnie scott's on the 7th of november and that's the main show in the main room we're super excited i'm really really pleased that that's happening And yeah, also a little bit later in that month, I'm playing at Hull Jazz Festival. Talking of the north of England earlier, I'm playing at Hull Jazz Festival. I'm playing all my own material with a new quartet um, based uh, in London. But yeah, we're uh, doing a sort of unveiling of a new suite of music I've written for Hull Jazz Festival, specifically for Hull Jazz Festival, to celebrate uh, Hull, my hometown Hull. So yeah, that's happening in November on the... Eleventh. Anyway, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a jazz gig plug there. You know, it's quite exciting to do that because you know we're out of the whole lockdown thing. So now I can tell you about the gigs that I'm doing. Um, okay, thanks so much for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure chatting at you. Um, see you again next month. Goodbye.